Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, no one could think of a good reason to cancel this week's podcast. We apologise unreservedly for this troubling turn of events. Welcome to On A Pair. She's right, you know, we couldn't think of any good reason. Sorry we've been away. Life just sometimes gets in the way. But it's good to be back. Welcome to On A Pair. It's three friends talking about the game they love and the team they follow. And wins and losses that come with it too. As always, I've got my good friends with me. Daryl Butler, hello! How you doing, mate? You okay? I am all right. I'm grateful for the break. Life was a bit chaotic. Uh, How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Have you moved into your house yet? What's going on with that? You were, we you were moving house last time we spoke. Yes, well, we haven't moved in officially because, uh, well, the decision has been made, not necessarily mine, to do up the whole house. Not just do a couple of bits and then work your way around when your girlfriend's heavily <laughs> pregnant. We're doing a lot. <laughs> to say that I'm flummoxed, confused and can't handle real man work is an understatement. Anyway, speaking of people who aren't quite real men, Peter Somberg, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I thought we'd be apologising for broadcasting an episode much sooner than this, so well, I think we've done quite well. Yeah, it's turned out all right, isn't it? And it's, it's nice to be back, too. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> and let's face it, look, we've missed a lot. There's a lot going on. You know we like to start with the news. We're going to start with the news, but because life has been so utterly chaotic, we're not even going to bother with most people's news. We're going to go straight in for Worcestershire-only news. I was going to call this Worcester Evening News because we record in the evening, but apparently there were some legal issues. So here's some Worcester news. It'll do. Shut up, Jim. Good point. Right, let's get to it. First bit of news that we missed just after we finished recording last time out. It was confirmed that the wicketkeeper batsman Alex Milton has been released. Um, a, a reasonable talent, never really got a look in, did well for the seconds, but there was obviously deemed that he wasn't quite good enough for first team action. So we wish him all the best for the future, don't we, Daz? Yes, we certainly do. All the best for the future. Um, but with Matty Wade coming in, you'd think it was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah, with Cox and Wade and Roderick, who can hold the gloves as well, it was always going to go one way. Uh, Another player on the way out, big-hitting Ross Whiteley, star of the 100 final. Um, He has confirmed that he's leaving the pairs as well. Likely uh, likely landing spots, Sussex or Yorkshire. I mean, Yorkshire would be... I mean, their their batting lineup in the short form of the game would be frightening with him added to it late on. But Sussex feels like a good fit. They've just lost Phil Salt. They could do an experienced head that can clear the rope. Um, But I'd be sad to see him go. Yeah, absolutely. uh, It is a sad one. If you'd have said at the start of the year he was going to go, I'd have... uh... I'd have been surprised, but it did seem more likely as the season went on. We offered him a white ball contract, didn't he? But he, he turned that down. Um, hasn't done a great deal in red ball cricket, um, which is, is probably been the deciding factor for us. But, I mean, he spent nine brilliant years with us, uh, helped us win that T20 trophy in 2018 and, and nearly became the first team to retain that trophy the year later. So some very happy memories of Ross Whiteley. And, yeah, we wish him all the best as well. Yeah, I mean, a brilliant boundary rider as well. He's fabulous in the field. So he's just one of those guys that's always in the game, uh, and you've got to love that, and that's very Worcestershire in a modern sort of sense. But they've wasted no time in finding a replacement. Um, he's a Worcestershire lad as well. Ed Pollock returns to his home county, 26-year-old opening bat, will be joining us for next season. I think it's a three-year deal, um, and uh, you know, it feels like like for like. We've, uh, we've lost Vessels, and we've lost Whiteley, but we now have Wade, and we now have Pollock. I feel like it still leaves us light, so hopefully there's a, uh, there's another batsman to come that can whack it. But, uh, I mean, I don't think the general reaction to Pollock signing is hugely uh, significant. I think people are hugely excited. But every time we've seen him play for the opposition, and their bears that they have now, he's not pretty good. He's a direct swap for uh, for Whiteley for me. I think he's he's good enough to replace him. I think he's a two-year deal he's on. His strike rate in T20 cricket is well over 160. So um, I think he's a great addition. Um, and we, oh, we need, one, we need, like you say, we need one more of the same. You stole my thunder. I want to be the one that corrected Jim for getting that amount of contract. Uh, sorry, for getting the contract letter. Can't talk. That's fucked well, up, wasn't it? If you're going to criticise a broadcaster for making a mistake, make sure you can talk. Two, I didn't actually make a mistake. I asked. I said, is it a three-year deal? Everyone, Because it oh, okay. seems like people are signing on three. Anyway, it's a two-year deal according to Daz. I should have done more homework 
Anyway, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think he's 26, so he's still got plenty of time. Um, we've seen him play well at New Road, which is no bad thing at all. And we've got to be realistic about what, what we can get. And I think right now, it's a reasonable bit of business. Um, I mean, the key thing for me is is what the opposition say. And there are a lot of Warwickshire fans who were saying that he was probably one of the best things about their T20 campaign this year. And he was very unlucky not to find himself uh, in the quarterfinal lineup. He also hit his first one-day ton, I believe, a list-day ton in the uh, one-day cup. So they're sad to see him go. Uh, it is a gamble because he's not tested in Red Bull cricket. But I don't think it's a bad signing. And I think we've just got to wait and see how it pans out. Well, we, we've said ad infinitum. We don't clear the rope enough, and that's why we're not in the quarterfinals of the T20. And to an extent, it's sort of what did us as well in, in, in the Royal London, is that we don't have enough power hitters. He can clear the ropes. It remains to be seen how successful he is, but as with all recruitment, Pete, as you've pointed out, it's always a bit of a gamble. But give the lad a chance. Jake Libby came with an element of pedigree. You know, he was clearly good enough to play first-class cricket. And uh, the new, the added responsibility, being able, you know, a, being a bigger fish in a slightly smaller pond, has done Jake Libby the world of good. It's not to say I this is going to be the, the same thing. I but... point out as well, Jim. Yeah, that so did Ross Whiteley when he came over from Derbyshire. You know, he, he hadn't set the world alight in county cricket. He, we knew about his big hitting pedigree, and and he turned out all right for us. So I think, yeah, we've got to have an open mind with him. Yeah, I like it. I like it as a bit of business. As as long as it doesn't stop there. If that's it, then I'm disappointed. But if it's like. We, we need to strengthen our, our power hitting, in the, and we've done it. And a left-hander as well, which is always handy. Left-hand, right-hand, people quite like that. Statistically, there is a slightly higher strike rate with partnerships left-hand, right-hand. There we are. Anyway, so Ed Pollock, welcome back. Welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. Um, and I suppose the biggest news, we can say legend, I think. Worcestershire legend Daryl Mitchell is to retire at the end of the season. 19 years he spent at New Road. Old father time himself, Daryl Mitchell, who is who is younger than me. Okay. And he's Oh, I mean, what's to say about Daryl Mitchell? The guy is just so damn likable, so dependable, so reassuring. He's contributed in every form of the game. He has been a sound mind. He's been a good captain. He's just been brilliant off the pitch. How can you not love Daryl Mitchell? And look what he's done this season as well. You know, turned us from a losing T20 team into uh, into a winning one. Bringing him in was the the, the turning point, wasn't it? The know he didn't quite make the quarterfinals in the end, uh, yeah. but even at this stage, still uh, still turning games for us, still turning seasons around for us. We when moment left to play for England, yeah, we we couldn't buy a win. He came in. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, really. Over two thousand runs in T Twenty cricket, over a hundred wickets. He's the only Worcestershire player to have a hundred wickets in T Twenty cricket. Th- just shy of three and a half thousand runs in List A cricket. Uh, nearly fourteen thousand uh, the County Championship. Um, he uh, he he saw us to a title in. It was the Pro Forty, wasn't it, that we won? Um, yeah, he was. He was there for, of course, the T20 Blast win in 2018. Last week on the podcast, we had a former Worcestershire captain who averaged um, mid-36s in county cricket and was a team man, an unassuming guy, a reliable, dependable, likeable guy that held cricket teams together. And we have just had another one. So for 20 years, Daryl Mitchell has been the solid hand on the rudder. And it's going to be weird not having him around. It is, absolutely. And I think you've summed it up there. It sounds disrespectful in some ways to say reliable, if, if sorry, solid, if not spectacular. But I think that, that kind of sums up his Worcestershire career, as you say. He was brilliant in all aspects of what he did. But it's, we were chatting about what his highlight was, and I, I struggled to actually go back and, and pinpoint a specific, because he just did, did so many good things over his time. It, um, but none of them really... Stand out, you know. Aside from that 298, I think he scored against. Le- was it Leicestershire, Dad? Uh, um, yeah. Was it? Check in, check in, check in. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he, he was just, and as you say, dependable is is a really good word to sum him up. First and foremost, as we've seen with players that are released, it's really hard to be in a first-class cricket team, and it's really hard to stay there. So to stay there and be that revered for that long. The longevity in itself is remarkable. It really is remarkable. And yes, he hasn't had the best year this year, and it probably is about the right time to say um, that's enough. But it is little things. It's like 
when when everyone else is going around the park in a one-day game, they chuck Daryl Mitchell the ball and he'll bowl two overs, none for 11. And it just slows everything down. And he calms everything down and someone bowls at the other. He, he just does those little you know, things to change momentum, to change thought process. It's funny you've gone for that example, actually, because when I was thinking of Daryl Mitchell highlights, I was actually thinking of his, his ability with the ball rather than the bat, because that's what I remember him for, particularly in one-day games. You know, he just seemed that when he came on, you knew you were going to turn things in your favour. Um, so interesting that both of us have gone for bowling rather than his, his many, many runs that he scored. Yeah, I mean, most of his T20 runs, when we were really good, they were coming at about 100, maybe 110 strike rate. Nothing fancy, but he'd turn up and he'd just like, he'd bowl four overs, one for 22. And it would just change the momentum of a game. You know, it's very, it's very subtle, um, but really not to be underestimated. And it's, what was it, 39 first class centuries? It was, yeah. I mean, you don't do that if you can't play. You know, you don't, it doesn't happen by accident. Um, and he was turned into an opener as well, wasn't he? He was middle order when he started and he, he, he worked at it. He was put up the order and, and, and then that made, made that position his own. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it probably, it probably is about time. Maybe we could, maybe one more year. I mean, they offered him a Red Bull contract and he, and he turned it down. He's going to go and carry on his work with the um, Professional Cricketers Association. He thought maybe, again, a reliable, dependable sort. Um, and maybe give us one more year in front of packed houses would have been really nice. But testament to the guy, he knows his own mind, and he um, he can do what he chuffing well likes, and more power to him. I think, do you know what the things oh, right. I genuinely love about him is that on his Twitter page, his cover photo is him playing a forward defensive and all of his stumps cartwheeling out the ground. <laughs> and I just, do you know what I mean? Like his, his profile pic is him like playing a playing a, a classy shot. But I just quite like that. But he doesn't take himself too seriously. He loves the game. He loves the club. He's a you know he's a local lad. Um, and Daryl Mitchell, you're a fine chap, and we've been lucky to have you. And good luck with everything that comes your way because you bloody well deserve it. So there we go. It's, it's something that um, explains his longevity. Do you know who the first player to take his wicket was in first class cricket? I've no idea. Andy Caddick. Oh yes, it was Andy Caddick. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because he was, wasn't he? He was, he was a substitute. He Didn't was he? A sub, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Did Gareth Batty get called off? Yeah, he played. He, he played two days out of a four-day game yeah, against Somerset. Right. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Andy Caddick. There we are. One of the there weirdest shuffly run-ins I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Just to correct an error, I'm getting confused. His last game is against Leicestershire. His 298 was against Somerset at Taunton, which is obviously a very good ground for us for players to score big runs. Yep. Excellent. There we go. Well, look, what we've learned is that if you look up all of these things before you start recording, you sound more professional. We've gone with memory and it wasn't quite as slick. Anyway, let's get out of jail for free by giving Daryl Mitchell, Worcester legend, one of these. We'll do more research next week. Okay, right. So there we are. The news. Um, I've, I've just, sorry, I've just realised I was clapping along to the fanfare then, and I'm sat in a room on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Go with the flow, Daz. I respect it. Anyway, um, let's lateral to Daryl Butler because um, what's Worcester Watch saying, dude? We've had a second eleven game. Shall we start with that? Why not? Okay, we lost unfortunately against Leicestershire at Stourport. It was a um, second versus fourth. Um, Worcestershire won the toss and batted and made 255 in the first innings. Oliver Cox top scored with 41. There were no 50s and shared about all over the place there. Uh, Leicester, they then bowled Leicester out for 147. Uh, ben, Park take, ben Parker taking four for 24 in that one before we went on to set them a target of 399 thanks to Charlie Morris's 106 not out of 116 balls. Came in at yeah. number nine at 126 <laughs> or seven. What a knock that is. I mean, in fairness, I mean, it does demonstrate that second 11 cricket, I, I maintain I would get 20 in a second 11 cricket match. I just would. But fair, fair play. Credit where it's due. I have one of these. <laughs> We're not going to have an awful lot to cheer going on with the podcast, so get them while you can. Daz, are you clapping along? I'm clapping along. I'm yeah. still going. Good lad. Well done, Charlie Morris. Have yourself a ton. <laughs> um, no fanfare for this one, though. Leicestershire reached their 399 target. They got to 401 for eight, winning by two wickets, and it was a Worcestershire old boy, George Rhodes, 
who scored 107 top scoring in that innings and leading his side home there. So Leicestershire stay second in the table and Worcestershire fourth and they travel to Scarborough on Monday to take on York. Yeah. If George That's Rhodes is getting down. 107, I'm I'm upping that. I reckon I'd get 25. <laughs> I was going to say that's put a massive downer on it, isn't it? We're on the high of Charlie Morris, and then uh, George Rhodes is hit a ton against us, and we lost. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right? Any more for any more, Daz? How about would you like a Sandy Blanashani update? Oh, would I? Do you mean the yeah. guy that's never played for Worcestershire? He's never played for us, but. Jim, I've spent six ninety nine on the poll flag, and if I don't talk about him, it feels like I've wasted my money. So, the poll is taken on Papua New Guinea in an ODI in Muscat of all places, and uh, Sandy got man of the match. He took four for thirty five from his ten overs. As Papua New Guinea were bowled out for one hundred and thirty four. Nepal got home by two wickets in the 39th over, 135 for eight. He wasn't needed to bat, thankfully, because he can't bat. That's uh, correct. So, uh, <laughs> for two Do you remember that? Then... He's like, I'm not sure if he can bat, Jim. He bats number 11 for, yeah, Nepal. 11 for Nepal. The dude can't, can't. bat. <laughs> I mean, it's a real shame he didn't Even come Jim over. Even Dale would get 25 for Nepal, I reckon. Oh, I'd open the batting. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, I, it is a shame about Sandy Blamashani. And the thing is, oh, Lamashane, isn't it? Um he, I don't. I don't. It is Lamashane. Um, I checked. No, it is. I promise you. No, that's just what the Aussies call him, isn't it? Only Lamashane. <laughs> well, look. Um, I don't think he's ever going to make it to Worcester because now, if you think about Josh Baker and uh, Jacques Banton, both mm. left-arm finger spinners. So having a leggy, so three spinners all spinning it the same way. I don't know. Do you, yeah, do, you need, do you need an overseas spinner when you've got Banton and Baker and uh, Dolavera in your ranks? I'm not sure you do, um, which is a shame, because um, he was a dude and I liked his music. I'm going to have to get to Nepal to watch him. I've got to use my flag, haven't I? That's an away day. I mean, that's, that's an expensive that's way to justify day. 6 99 on eBay. But yes, OK. Sorry, yeah. Daz. Where, where, what else? Uh, we've got Central Sparks action as well. Um, I'll take you through the game on Bank Holiday Monday. First of all, which was um, against the South East Stars in Edgebaston. Stars made 165 for five. Claire Boycott, three for 22 in the uh, first innings there. But unfortunately, the Sparks uh, limped to 139 for six. Uh, Eve Jones opened the bat and made 76, but nobody else got any runs really there. They ended up losing by 26 runs in that one. And then the Friday before that, they were playing the Lightning at New Road. And I believe our very own Pete DeSombert was there. He was. And he's now trying to click through to find remember what happened because he's got a feeling that you're going to ask him. <laughs> what I want to know, does is why is he refer- referring to himself in the third person? <laughs> <Is it>? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, look, first things first. Let's get to the important business. You want to see the sparks at New Road? We respect that, Pete. You made a big thing on the pod a couple of weeks ago about how your mum always does a hamper, to the point oh, yeah. by which the episode was called She Always Does a Hamper. Now, we happen to know for a fact, Daz, were you aware <laughs> that his mum listened to the podcast and hastily got a hamper ready because she wasn't planning one <laughs> and she felt pressured by her son <laughs> boasting about her wares? <laughs> I, was gonna, I, I didn't see a photo of the hamper. Did it really exist? I don't it know. Did. It did. Yeah, it was lovely. What was in it? Uh, oh, gosh. No, see, you put a bit of wilting, Jim. In this well, episode. hang on a minute, Pete. Did, do you, you do know that we were having, doing oh. this podcast, right? Like, you don't seem to know anything about the cricket or the hamper. Like, oh, I've been to sleep since then, gents. Come on. Very well. Uh, I can tell you about the game, though. The game okay, was, well, let's do that. It, it was a brilliant game. It was an absolute nail-biter. Uh, Lightning uh, batted first. They got off to a really good start, actually, a really quick start. But they were pegged back with some quick wickets in the middle uh, and eventually restricted to 136 for eight. Emily Arlott was, I think, the pick of the bowlers. She got 213 off three overs. But there were some brilliant one-handed catches. Both Izzy Wong and uh, Eve Jones both took stunning one-handed catches. Um, I think uh, it, Wong's was... Uh, to the cover. Wong one was incredible, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Eve Jones was, I think, the last ball of the innings. Um, and it just was... was dropping over her head and she plucked out the sky. So that was, that was really good. And then in reply, uh, Sparks got off to a bit of a sticky start uh, with uh, Marie Kelly, who I think had scored runs in the innings before, that Daz, was, uh, Daz talked us through. Uh, she went early. And Sparks have had a bit of an issue, haven't they, in a few games where it's been on the open as Jones and Kelly to, to put a score on the board. The middle order hasn't really come up trumps this, uh, in this campaign. Uh, but Eve Jones hung around. She's made 71. Um, and 
really, really guided them through it. She went towards the end and it went down to the final over, but a nice straight four from uh, from Wong saw them over the line. Yeah, really, really good game, but as I said, an absolute nail-biter. Yeah, well done, um, well done, Agent de Sonberg. Well done, uh, no, no wonder it was a nail-biter, there's nothing in the hand, but... Well, there was some fizz. I know that. It started with fizz. Ah, that's why well, it's all gotten go. a little bit hazy. The yeah. middle the middle class delinquency of the de Sonberg family. And I, I remember that because as uh, uh, my mum's partner, Mike, opened up the fizz, somebody in the room in front of us said, oh, that's a sound we haven't heard at New Road for a while, which either meant he hasn't heard fizz or he's, that was a commentary on Worcestershire's lack of success. I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But, um... Hey, look, this is very, we're very quickly turning into your own special show. You know, forget the Kardashians, let's have the Sonbergs. <laughs> okay, well, look, let's get to the meat part of the show then. Because um, there were a couple of games of cricket. Uh, I'm, I'm not overly in love in delving too deep into these boys. Does it sound harsh? I feel like a lot of it was time wasted. Um, we'll start then. Uh, first and foremost, 30th of August, uh, Worcestershire hosted Sussex. It did have the feel of an end of season vibe. We are in Division Three. Um, still want to win it though, don't you? Um, so we took on Sussex. I made fun of Sussex in the one day game and called them the under nines because they were so young. And um, some might say that's disrespectful. I disagree. They are the under nines because the oldest player in their side was 24 and the second oldest player was 22. And just, it was just a bunch of teenagers. Uh, really talented teenagers, but, I mean, really? We made hard work of it, boys. Um, so Sussex batted first, 264 all out. At one point, we were looking pretty healthy at 97 for six. Uh, standout performance. Je- uh, uh, do you know what? I nearly called him Jack Leach. <laughs> oh, I just, I just got away with it. That's a hamper ban if you do that. It's a... <laughs> Do you know what they do? I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say the standout performer in that was uh, Adam Finch. I thought his two for 32 or 15 was the best I've seen in bowl. He was on it from ball one. He was aggressive. He passed the outside edge plenty. He looked like a fired-up, annoyed fast bowler who who uh, was was targeting his short stuff. And I thought it was a, a really good bowling performance from him. That's a really good shout, Pete. He he bowled quick as well. He bowled quick. Yeah, he was a handful. 15 overs, two for 32, six maidens in there. Came on fourth change. Um, I mean, uh, the, the reason that I mean, Leach is an obvious choice, taking five for six, 56. And he, here's why I was pleased to see it. A, because, I mean, Joe Leach, he owes us, if we're honest. We've been poor in Red Bull cricket. Um, I know we haven't lost many games. We've been drawing for fun, but we haven't looked like winning many at all. And the reason is is that our bowling attack hasn't been particularly potent. If you want to win games of cricket, your batsmen need to get hundreds and your bowlers need to get fivers. Just ask Nottinghamshire. And we, you know, we've been dining out on two for 60 and, uh, and three for 80 all season. And that's the difference. So someone, bump, someone, someone rolls in with a five for 68, then you've got a chance of winning a game of cricket. Um, but I agree I, with Finch. I think you're right about Leach. I mean, obviously, it was, he, he bowled really well, particularly towards the latter end of, of the innings. Um, I know we had a bit of a disagreement about, about the Sussex innings. I didn't think it was a, a bad... Sc- well, they scored more than they should have done from the position they were in. I will agree with you on that. But I didn't feel too downbeat about the 2-6-4 because I thought as a unit, they bowled really well. They created a lot of chances. And if it wasn't for that Carson innings of 87 off 113, which he played some good shots in there, but he top-edged quite a few and he inside-edged a few more. That was really the difference between them posting, you know, being all out for 200 and making the 264 that they did. So I wasn't as downbeat about it as I think maybe you guys were. No, well, I mean, that's fair enough. His, his luck was in. I actually thought the um, the Ibrahim 48 was really, really uh, composed. I thought it was a very well organised and put together innings. And Ledham can obviously hold a bat. Um, yeah, I look, um, I know it, sound, it, it sounds sort of bad, but I want us to beat the living daylights out of Sussex, regardless of the context. I mean, they've got a lot of good young players, but look, they don't win games of cricket at all. You know, they just don't. And we were, we were lucky to get away with this. So I, I, don't, I don't think it was great. I think in terms of experience and game nous and, you know, pedigree as professional cricketers, I think we significantly outgun them. Um, and everyone else has been beating up on them, so it sort of worried me that we're in the position that we were in because our reply, 213 all out, it wasn't very good. I, I, I struggled really. Hey, actually, Haynes, Haynes was all right, and he got a decent one from from Ibrahim, but 
I didn't see anything from our batting response that I liked from anybody. Well, I think this is the, the point, and I think you're right about experience, but that we outgunned them in experience in the batting department, not so much the bowling department, because Leach and Barnard are the two experienced bowlers. Finch, Pennington and Baker haven't bowled many you know, career overs in Red Bull cricket, so relatively inexperienced, but it's the batting response that I agree with you is disappointing. And I was having a little look at the averages, actually, before we, we did this. That's the one bit of prep I did manage to do. And Libby tops the batting averages with 61, Barnard 55, uh, Haynes 39, and everybody down uh, less, below that is less than 30, aside from Joe Leach. But all the batsmen that below him are averaging under 30 this year. Yeah, yeah, it's not good enough. I, I just thought it was pedestrian. Lennon, he's 17, Ibrahim 17, Crocombe 19. I know, you know, comparatively, Pennington and Finch, but they're in their 20s. They've been playing a lot of second eleven cricket. I mean, Dylan Pennington was on the bench for the the um, two thousand and nine, the twenty nineteen T Twenty Blast. You know, he was part of that squad. So comparatively, you've already you've already said though, Jim, that there's a big difference between first eleven and second eleven cricket. So I, I get your argument, but that that's that's a, that's a factor. Anyway, we could bicker yeah. about this for quite a while. Yeah. Okay. No. Fair point. No. I I thought I thought the batting a batting response was was pedestrian. It kind of lacked application. Sussex have got some good young bowlers uh, to be more than 50 behind on the first innings. And I know the sort of conditions weren't ideal at times, the stop-start nature of it, but, but we ended up being in real trouble. Uh, and again, it took, uh, it took a bowling performance from Leach. He took uh, four for 68 this time. And um, the youngsters did for us again because Ibrahim, 94, Hudson Prentice, uh, 46, uh, and a nice, uh, a nice fifty as well from Ali Orr at the top of the innings. Two hundred and sixty-three they made, and um, I'll be honest, I really didn't fancy us chasing the runs down. We needed three hundred and fifteen for victory. Uh, I, I really didn't think we stood a chance, and I was wrong. Worcestershire did chase it down, and so in the end, it was kind of comfortable, wasn't it, Pete? I mean, yet again, Jake Libby, one hundred and twenty-five not out. You sort of run out of superlatives. I mean, oh, you, you without do. without you him, do. without his performances this season, if he ha- if he had a bad year this year, we are finishing bottom of Division Three. Now that sounds extreme. I don't think it is. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll fight it out with you on WhatsApp after this is done. Um, you take Jake Libby out of this side, who is going to score runs or hold innings together? Okay, noted. Uh, but you're right. No, I say, if you want, if you want to win games of cricket or at least survive in them, your batsmen have to score hundreds and your bowlers have to get fivers. They just do. You have to have you know match-winning performances from somebody. Jake Libby is the only person who's capable of doing that with the bat, and we've been proven that. I mean, admittedly, at New Road, it's hard to bowl anybody out. Certainly, at the start of the year, but the draws that we had, we weren't we weren't beating people up and just falling short. A lot of the time, it was kind of we were but we were behind the eight ball most of the time. The players that we've got are better than what they've shown this year, a hundred percent. I re- I genuinely believe that, and I think we'll be better next year. But if you take Jake Libby out this side, are we? Any, we we're probably we might still be better than Derbyshire, but I think that's it. I'm, I'm not the person to have this conversation with because my my brain can't deal with what if Libby didn't play because Libby did play and he did score runs. So I can't, I'm not the person Very well. to have that conversation with you. I will leave that out there. Okay, <laughs> Jake Libby, 125, masterful innings. Uh, Jack Haynes puts the Worcester shirt on, scores a 50. Good lad. It still didn't look like it was going to be doable, but oddly, I thought the decision to basically keep bowling the kids, keep bowling Coles, 17, and um, Archie Lenham, 17, that's basically what won us the game. When it started to get a bit pokey and um, Haynes and Libby were putting runs on, then Cox made a, a useful 37 and Dolavira just came in and smacked it everywhere. Why didn't they just get uh, Sarrow and Hudson Prentice back on and bowl it two feet wide of off stump? What were they doing? Yeah, I mean, they, they did what you, you've asked them to do and that's, you know, put their experience in and, and put them under pressure and we put Sussex under pressure and they, they faltered towards the end. As you say, it was brilliantly set up by Libby and Haynes and then Cox and, and Dolivera did what they needed to do and really put the foot on the gas. And that Dolivera innings especially, it was just fireworks, wasn't it? It was, it was, uh, that was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely superb. Yeah. And every, yeah it was, I recommend you go back and watch the end of it if you, uh, if you missed it. it yeah, was, we'll have to. Yeah, because it got quite close, didn't it, uh, in terms of time. How, how, how many overs did we have left? To, uh, oh, it was, it was a handful. It was, about, it was about three or four. 
Um, it was but, looking close. They they had to go at four and over all the way through. Um, and it, it kind of went up to five for a while, but it was always hovering around four. And you're right, it was getting a little bit tight until Dolly came in and hit that 56 from 31. And then it, and then it was just comfortable. Yeah, he, he just, um, he, he was positive. It was controlled aggression. And it, he, he, well, he basically played a one-day innings that we've seen from him numerous times this season. Uh, and, he, and he was fabulous. And Libby did absolutely everything right. Um, set, set up by Haynes. Um, Cox with a you know vital contribution who who found a boundary when he needed to, and then Dolly just said I'll have this thanks very much. I mean Lennon and Coles they just should, they should have both come off four overs earlier than they did, and they should have put the ball in the hands of the seamers and made it difficult and hidden the ball. I mean it just it just seemed odd. Force Dolly to play you know who's what five foot six. Force him to play one three feet outside off stump, and then bowl it across him and see if he can hit it. You know I, but. But then you know, that's that's what happens when you play an experience. But I mean, credit where it's due. It, it was a perfectly paced and very well executed run chase. Well done. Um, I think the, the best bit for me. I was away for, for that game, so I didn't actually see any of it. But I was checking on the fan. I was I was away with a, a lad who's a Warwickshire fan, and he just kept looking over me, shouting, "Have Worcestershire lost yet? Have Worcestershire lost yet?" <laughs> so it was a good one. I just yeah, two fingers up and spat off. <laughs> But look, look it's, it, it was a great run chase. It's great to win. Libby in the runs again. But I mean, we've always we've been with the club have been calling for context all season. Pete, you are one for context, and the context is we basically we beat a bunch of teenagers who are just l- are learning their craft, um, which you would expect. I'm not overly excited by it. It was great fun. The last session was great fun to watch. But you know, in the wider context of what it really means, I'm not sure it means much. Um, I suppose... that, no, I agree with you. I'm not that excited by it because it's a bit of a dead rubber in Division Three. But we we che- we did a successful run chase. We paced it well. We won the game. And you know, there's been plenty of negative this season. So I'd like to choose to just focus on the fact that we picked up lots of yummy points. Yes. Speaking but of neg- ne- negativity, let's go to Kent and let's be honest, boys. This game was done within the hour. Um, <laughs> morning one. It was, it was, it morning was. one. <laughs> session one. 32 for five. Um, good night, Aileen. Yeah. All out for 133. Uh, Mitchell, four. Libby, two. Fell, three. Haynes, eight. Dolavera one. Forget about it. Milnes, four for 35. Gilchrist, five for 38. Pfft, oh. well, let's Bit be honest of... about this, this innings, and, and, and I know you've got reservations about the batting lineup, but Matthew Milnes was unplayable. Uh, apart from Fallu, who tickled one down the leg side, didn't he? Uh, I, I mean, that, that, some of those overs would have got test batsmen out without a question. He, he was bowling with such a vicious outswing, uh, and he, he had the ball in the corridor. He was giving absolutely no width away. He was on the perfect length, time and time again. Uh, he was brilliant. We, we got outplayed by, I, I think, a, a spell of absolute brilliance from Milnes. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Daz. I think um, there will be aspects of that innings where we could have batted better. Of course, there will have yeah, been. Definitely. But batting in the conditions that we did was tough and if we're going like, to apply more context there were three other matches identical to ours where teams got skittled out under 100 other team posted a big score so we weren't the only team to suffer and it's not really the first innings for me that's, that's the problem it's what we did there in response with Kent and what we maybe we did in our, our second innings that was more of an issue uh, but yeah I agree with you Dad. with the foul dismissal he played really patiently for his, his three off, off 21 balls or 20 balls sorry on a wicket like that, that is doing something, you can't stand still. You've got to try and score runs somehow to keep the score ticking over. And he got one down the leg side. I mean, it was quite a far way down the leg side, which I think I'd lean towards saying with you, maybe not. But, but as a batsman, nine times out of ten, you took them away for a single or find the boundary. One in ten, you glove it through to the keeper. It, it was one of those, it didn't bother me that much. It was not a day to be a batsman, and I totally get it. And Kent got the best of conditions. Um, and I, I, I actually, I think you're right. Sometimes you just have to accept that a team has outplayed us or a player has outplayed us. And I thought Milnes did on the first morning. I thought he won his team the game in an hour. I agree. Um, I agree with you that you could have put any side in and they would have been in trouble. Maybe not 32 for five trouble, but you could have put, you probably put a test side in and they're, they're 50 for three and really, you know, and, 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 in, and in bother. So look, that's fair enough. And in fairness to Worcestershire, um, they didn't have to give it a good go. Because, we, I mean, we had him in trouble after 10 overs. We knew how to use the new ball, but when it got a little bit older, things didn't quite pan out. Um, we had him um, uh, three down for 22 off 10 overs, and Pennington, Pennington had a decent day. I didn't actually see 
Um, I didn't see any of our bowling performance in this. So, um, what did you make of it? Where did it go wrong? I think it was just sort of run out of ideas, really. Um, and like you said, we, we had them in a bit of trouble, didn't we? After 10, 12 overs, was it 20-odd for three, 22 for three, I think? Um, and, and Penton was bowling absolutely. But it, much like Mills, line in length, line in length, but he wasn't getting the same movement, the same swing, and the same sort of seam movement as Mills was getting. Um, and they just wore us down, I think, really, to be honest. The, uh, by the time we got overs in the legs, and... Uh, I don't know what I'm was it a case, Saz? Was it a case, like Jim has, has mentioned before, that our attack is a little bit one-dimensional uh, and a little bit predictable? Was was it a case of that? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, Bob per, per, with a new ball um, and then try and do the same thing over and over again for 60, 70, 80 overs um, and they got the hang of us and uh, by the time we, there's too many overs in the legs later on in the day um, and then you start bowling wide, it's a bit shorter and, and Leland was picking us off really nicely, wasn't he? Um, picking up picking up the bad balls for four, finding loads of gaps. Uh, looked really, really nice. Uh, Robinson too. Barry Stevens does what he always does, and, uh, and then they get the Indians just ran away from us, didn't it? Towards the end. Yeah, yeah I mean, as, it, as it, it usually does. How many times has that happened this season? I mean, it helps if you can bring Sam Billings into your side to bat at seven, though, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> in fairness, he was the twelfth uh, man, uh, and look, I mean, they got uh, Zach Crawley and Joe Denley. And we know what Darren Stephen does and, and Sam Billings. They've got some pedigree there. Well, I mean, it's the lack of variation. It's not just four. The issue, it's not just four bowlers bowling um, right arm pace or medium fast. Is that you've got Leach and Barnard, who aren't particularly tall, who are sort of a bit more wicket to wicket and a bit more skiddy. They kind of kiss the surface. I mean, um, Leach can bowl a heavy ball sometimes, but he, in this season, he's mainly been pitching the ball up more, bowling a similar length to um, Ed Barnard. And Paddington and Finch are very much the same bowler, I think. They bowl the same areas, same lengths. Um, they look the same. They're about that. Finch is a bit taller. <laughs> so I think we've got two variations of the same bowler. Um, yeah, it just, so it's it's it's, it's, like it's say, it not feels even... very samey throughout the innings, and it, it it just we haven't got the ability to change something up, have we? Make make the batsman think about something different, or, or, or cause them a different problem to solve. And once they've solved the first problem, they're um, they're in and they're looking good, and and then it becomes a hard slog. We found that earlier in the season as well, didn't we? Yep. Um, yeah, and um, well, 393, um, leaning just shy of 100, Robinson got a half century, Stevens, Darren Stevens, of course he did a half century, Billings 70-odd, and Stewart and Milnes make useful 20-somethings, 393, we are in a bit of bother because we're 260 behind, and, and again, let's be honest here, did anyone see this going any other way other than an, inning, an innings defeat, honestly? No, but let's leave it there and let's not mention what actually happened next and then in our minds it, we, we won't have lost. We, let's just say we drew. We batted out, we drew. There we go. I, just, I like the the blind optimism <laughs> and or... I mean, let's just call it what it is, Pete. Delusion. Um, that's was, okay. Yeah, Look, 50, 51, 51 for one became 55 for four and we were dead and buried. No one fancied much of a fight back apart from the usual Joe Leach swung the bat, did it mainly in... Got 49, hit 10 fours. So his usual approach. Um, uh, yeah. There was a bit of resistance from Barnard as well, didn't there? I don't, don't know how, I can't remember how many runs he scored, oh, but he, yeah. he hung around for a while. Yeah, he, he batted properly, didn't he? Um, because in the first innings as well, to be fair. And he, again, he got another um, unplayable delivery in the first innings off Stevens. It, yeah, yeah. We were just. As, um, sorry, I didn't know what to say about it. It's just we just got outplayed by a better team. Well, yeah. Know. Okay. Well, let's move on. I mean, we're, we're third. We're third in Division Three. There we are. That's where we are, and that's about right, isn't it? I mean, it's a good job Derbyshire were in our group, so we could drag the points with us, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but... yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I don't think we'll get. I don't think we'll get relegated. No. <laughs> it's a weird one. It's, it, yes, we are in Division Three, and yes, we are third in it. But the way that the divisions panned out. It's not like we were in Division One. We played nine teams throughout the course of a year, got relegated, done it again, and got relegated again. We played a handful of games at the start of the season, finished towards the bottom of that group, and got slotted in to Division Three. So, I think that Division Three thing sounds worse than it actually is this year. Yeah, we we have to be honest here because like people that listen to the podcast and they know they're cricket. We we can polish things in certain ways and go young promise and young potential and everything else and rebuild for next year and I think there will be I think we'll be better next year I really do think we'll be better next year but the same token is that you can only judge what you can see 
and potential doesn't win you games of cricket um uh, the thing is we, we've just we haven't done enough in, in, in any aspect of um four-day cricket to win games of cricket we just haven't uh and so we we are deservedly where we are let's hope for better uh middlesex away we were planning on our little trip my life admin got in the way which is a shame um but there we are two games to go a last home uh game against leicestershire in a couple of weeks as well so look it's not anything we haven't said before in a lot of ways win a game lose a game it's all the same to me a little earlier on today sorry jim it is worth saying that um Whilst we do a lot of bickering, both on here and in WhatsApp, we are all agreed that it has been extremely disappointing. There is absolutely no getting away from that. You're right. Yeah, I mean, what I'd say is that if it isn't any good, you've got to say it isn't any good because that's the whole point. But again, within the, within the wider context, we were decent in red ball cricket last year and really disappointing in white ball. We actually weren't far away in white ball cricket this year, but we've been really disappointing in red ball. Oh. Just says, I think it's been hard to show much interest in it as well, or say much about it, because it's, it's dead rubber games now. What, what, what are the teams playing for in Division Three? Well, so, it, I mean, it, it, it just feels—it just doesn't—it feels like the season's already ended to me in a lot of ways. And 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 then you see the feedback like that, and it just—I don't know—I just think, well, okay. Oh. I'll tell you what amplifies that as well, does is when the BBC, because they build this as Super September, haven't they? And the BBC said, you know, who were the teams in the top division? And there was no mention of any teams in Div 2 or 3. The focus is on Div 1 and no one else cares about the rest. Well, there's, there's a reason that the entire Sussex side, apart from one, I'm old enough to be their dad. I'm 37. <laughs> you know, like this, I mean, the Sussex have clearly gone, we're playing the kids. And sort of, yeah. why not? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, not, and you just yeah. hope as long as they don't get an absolute hoofing, then um, it's experience. It's you know, it's in the bank. Yeah, um, I agree. Actually, yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the club have released uh, an interview with uh, with Worcestershire chairman um, Fanasira. We've had a listen. We thought we'd share some of the kind of the pertinent points with you. So first and foremost, here's Fanos talking about um, the financial situation at the club uh, and recruitment as well. We still think. You know, from that peak of debt in 2015, we can get to a halving of debt by 2022, despite, you know, the impacts. But one of the things I do want to reassure, you know, members about is that, you know, the only reason we're, we're reducing um, debt is to make sure that we're viable. And the only reason we want to be viable is that we can spend more on players. We recognise that relationship. You know, it's almost, it almost feeds off itself. So one of the things that, you know, we, we could have reduced debt far more dramatically if we wanted to despite COVID and despite the floods and the reason we didn't is because we went from bottom quartile spend to top quartile spend so we are a club that can compete with anybody um, for talent when we choose to do so right so um, first part of that one 2015 about six million pounds in debt um that has been significantly reduced and he but he's just made the point i mean despite covid they've managed to make savings and it seems the club are on a much better financial footing what's interesting though is that the reason that they could have saved more but didn't is that they wanted to invest in the playing squad um so what are your what are your initial responses or instincts towards what we've just heard well the the line that did it for me was the one at the end when we choose to because um, that doesn't make it sound like they have. Um, I think with the finance thing, that's also got to come into play with the issues with, with Vessels, Whiteley and Mitchell. You know, these, these are senior players, presumably on, on bigger money contracts. And if now's the time to let them go and maybe enter into a period of transition, then then that would make sense. But yeah, I mean, it does suggest that they're going to be bringing more recruitment. You made the point earlier, Jim, that as long as it doesn't stop there, we, we probably could do with a couple more. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it just—it seems very sensible, actually, what you're saying. And you see, more so with other sports, clubs spending far too heavily in order to, to get a bit of silverware or whatever and don't look after the future of the clubs. You see it a lot in football, particularly. Um, and, and we've seen it in other, in other sports, too. So uh, it, it seems really balanced and level-headed, um, but with a, a nod to the fact that you do need to invest in the playing side as well, otherwise your, your fans don't turn up to games and, and pay their entrance fees. Um, it's pretty sensible stuff, I thought, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Pete. It's the when we choose to bit. It's, it's, it's a statement of intent there within the middle of that saying, we can compete, we can sign players if we want to, and when we want to, and if we think the player is the right player, which is great. That's everything that you want to hear. 
as a fan, it's like, we can go out and get players. We can sign players if we want. We have the financial clout to do so. But the trouble is with that is that they haven't. So No, and I and think I, the problem I, with that, it, it, I mean, the, the underlying tone of that is we could go out and sign whoever we wanted, but we'd be back to being six, seven, eight million pounds in debt in a couple of years' time. Oh, yeah, look, but they've just just said that the reason they haven't reduced the debt further is that they've been spending money, you know, they've just said they've they've been been instead of the bottom of quartile um, at the top of it. So what I'm trying to figure out is if that's if that's spending money, you know, where are the players to show for it? Because the end of the T20 competition, Jack Haynes and Tom Fell and Daryl Mitchell and uh, Dolavera and the youth. Um, yeah, the two overseas players, but look, Ben Duarshus isn't going to be the most expensive player in the world because half of the county circuit hadn't heard of him. The, the statement that we actually could have reduced debt more, but we decided to invest in the playing staff. Well, we've been dreadful in red ball cricket and we've come up short in both the white ball games when it mattered. So that's yeah, th- think, that, that's contradictory that- to me. And then the, when we want to is another one going, well, it's a bit like saying, well, the value of my house has gone up by 17% and it's now worth a quarter of a million pounds. Well, are you going to sell your house and realise the, the the improved capital in it then? Are you going to realise that better financial? No. Well, it's irrelevant then, isn't it? I'm not quite sure what this means. Does this mean right now, because it, it, this, we're in a period of transition, so if we need to, we can flex our muscles. If there's an opportunity here, if they st- at the start of the season go, look, we've got an opportunity to bring in a seasoned opener to, from a domestic, like a Mark Stoneman or someone like that, who's going to cost a few quid. Or, you know, they're going to go um, big with a high-profile overseas player for the blast because they think everything else is in place and they're just that one piece away. And he's saying, well, if we need to, we'll flex our financial muscles and we'll surprise you. I mean, that'd be great. But again, there's not... What what does that actually really mean? Yeah, I think the difficulty and the danger from the club's point of view is that fans won't have listened to the when we choose to bit. They will have just heard we've got money to spend on bringing in players on, on bigger wages and that's where they will keep it. Uh, and so if there is no investment over the uh, winter, which is when you maybe expect us to, to tie things up, um, then fans next season will be saying the very things you're saying now, as in, well, you said this was a thing, but we haven't seen any return. So it, it, we'll see what happens over the winter, but it could, it could come back on them. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like, why, why say that? Why risk it going, look, we, we can go out and sign players? Because if they then don't go out and sign players and we're not very good next year, then they're in real trouble. I mean, I, look, again, like, I think the, the people that are in charge of the club are trying to do things sincerely and well, and things, generally speaking, in terms of communication, are better and the financial situation is better, and the initiatives they're trying to bring in are better. The uh, sponsorship with Morgan, the um, promotion of the women's side, and all those sorts of things. Great, so you know. But I just found it a bit odd. I just like, what exactly are you trying to say to me? You trying to say is this you flexing your financial muscles this year? Because if it is, we've got problems. And if it's not, if it's more that when we choose to, as in, it's not actually this year, but maybe next year. It's like, well. Why are you dangling a carrot? <laughs> you know, sign a sign a sign some players or don't. Anyway, Jim, what else did he have to say? Okay, good point, well made. We are hiring. We've been hiring for quite some time now, and we've got some really senior positions um, that still need to be fulfilled, and that's a positive message. But also, we have made very very senior hires. Um, you know, one of the things that that I get often asked about is the state of the ground. We haven't been able to kind of necessarily improve things as much as we'd liked because of um, COVID and, and because of you know manpower and all those other things. So um, we get that. Um, and one of the things that I'm really pleased to announce is that we've got a very, very senior, very, very senior uh, facilities manager that's joining our club from the 1st of November. Um, she's held um, to three months notice, which obviously indicates that where she's currently working is of high value. But what, what she will be doing, just to em- emphasize it, is actually improving everything on our ground. Good. Yeah, I mean, the two things for me there, not just very senior, very, very senior. That's the first thing. Um, but also that New Road does need some improvements. There's broken seating, top of the Dolly Vera stand. In fact, the Dolly stand in general, I think, is looking a little bit tired and there's issues with the, the toilets and still not being repaired from the flooding. My concern from that comments in the interview, and it was my mum actually that pointed this out, where it sounds like the position they're recruiting to is just around day-to-day ground management and doesn't necessarily address the bigger picture. You know, there were plans 
to what was it? Maybe it's not three years ago. It's more longer than that to knock down New Road and redevelop that at stage three after the Premier Inn was built. That's all gone quiet from the club. I presume that's now on hold because of funding. So there are aspects of New Road that look tired, that look dated. So yes, great that somebody can can deal with the day to day stuff that's important. But but what about the big long term future of, of New Road? He did said they, he said that he, that they are hiring and it's going to be multiple people. And look. There are obviously problems with New Road. It, do, it is tied. It does need updating. And he went on to mention that members are uh, basically given a list, a wish list of things that needed to improve. And he said, our list is much longer than the one the members gave him. So they want to address it. They're going to. There has been a pandemic. I'm kind of all right with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, next, uh, the live streams. I think the live streams have been brilliant. Uh, last year, they were a bit problematic. But, you know, new thing. Uh, here's what he had to say about those. We're really pleased with it. And actually the proof is really in the pudding. I mean, you, you, you're getting some of the live stream numbers were phenomenal. Um, obviously for the Bears game, mm. you know, you'd, you'd expect a, a big number. It was, I think over a hundred thousand people were watching it um, when we beat them at home. Um, and then um, the same for Durham as well, um, which was really pleasing. So I think the live stream is something that, that can grow and continue to grow. And actually it indicates that, hey, what, guess what, you know, there's a big demand for cricket. Mm. Who'd have thought? So there we are. I think the live stream has been great. We've benefited hugely from it because for the first half of the season, we couldn't get to, uh, couldn't get to New Road, couldn't watch any cricket. And watching them on YouTube has been fabulous. Uh, f- fair play to the club. Can't yeah, argue with that. Free coverage. Brilliant. Absolutely superb. And not charging a penny for it. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, it, they reckon it's going to go from strength to strength and the, they had in-house commentators. Hopefully they might expand that as well and have their own media team. Who knows? Um, but you Fred, might be on comms, Jim. I, well, do you know what? Based on what I said about five minutes ago, they probably won't let me through the front door. Anyway, <laughs> um, here's what Fanas had to say then about our Red Bull campaign. This one's a little bit longer, but hey, it's been a long summer. We started it in February or something when they play Red Bull cricket now. It's madness. No, we're disappointed. Of course we are. Yeah, let's, let's, let's split it up between Red Bull and White Bull. You've heard, sorry, Alex Goodman and also Paul Pridgen talk about, and they, they run cricket, is they've talked about how we, we've stopped losing games, and I think that is really, really important. Um, because if you look at, you know, the, the opening kind of league games that determined which league you played in after the first round, um, you know, we drew um, many more games. Obviously, we beat Derbyshire. But we went through we went through a run of you know three games where it was really disappointing. So, you know the two games against Durham. I mean I, I wasn't at the away game, but the home game we, we I think we batted, um, you know, disappointingly in the first innings, and we were always therefore playing catch up. The Knots game away was was peculiar because I think we we started off well and then something just flipped on weather. Um, so so I suppose what I'm trying to say really is is that you know you've you've got to contextualise everything that we're doing. Um, and I just think that one, just one game the other way, and it could easily have happened as we know in cricket, and all of a sudden you're in Division 2 rather than Division 3. Now, I think Division 2 is a, probably a, a fairer reflection of where we should be at this stage. Um, you know, we've bobbed up and down, as we know, uh, for many years, and I think there's, you know, we're not quite you know, the best team in the land, but, but, you know, that's that's where we want to be, but we're not there yet. So I think I think... Div two would have been, you know, a, 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 you know, if you took, we're talking about scorecards, would that have been a, you know, what we kind of set out to achieve? Yes. Div three, therefore, no. But it's quite mar, it's it's quite marginal. It's quite fine. Now, obviously, you know, we played against Sussex, and 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 that was a, you know, an interesting win. Um, I didn't think we would um, win it, but it was a, a very exciting, um, you know, last session for us. And then obviously we just played one other game now against Kent, and you know on the face of it that was a you know a thumping. Um, but I think even even the Kent game, I'm not, I'm not making excuses. I think the toss there, you know, I think 75% of people that win the toss win the game. Um, but nevertheless, obviously there's there's things that we, we clearly need to improve upon, um, and hopefully we can do that against Middlesex and, and Leicestershire, and, you know, end, end the Red Bull season on on a high. I mean even even the even the, the Kent game, there were some real you know, encouraging signs for next year, and that's what we're doing. Really, we're building for next year. We knew this season would always be transitional, with you know, players leaving and new players um, arriving. So, you know, you look at you know, um, uh, you know, Dylan. Dylan did really well in that game 
Joe Leach, you know, continuing you know, for nine wickets against Sussex, he seems rejuvenated and it's great to see. And obviously, you know, you've got, you know, runs from Cox and also, you know, young John Josh Baker has been a, you know, a revelation. So, you know, long may that continue. So Red Bull, um, you know, on the face of it, we, we expected more. Right. Um, for me, one, I'm glad that he addressed the Kent game and described it as a thumping, uh, which it was, which was uh, honest. Again, I, I find the guy likeable. Um, I think the the notion though of the Red Bull season, we could have been in Div Two, give or take a game here or there. Is I just don't know what game he what game was going to flip for us to win. You know, I think. Well, actually, Jim, I, I was going to say this this is the one that's going to be a controversial because fans some fans will see it as he's just putting spin on it, and and like you said earlier, we are where we are, and that's that. There are other fans will say, well, actually, yeah, I agree with you. There are some things like if you take the wickets that we played on in the year that played out as draws and. And, and different, different things like that, that, that maybe Div 2 was fair. So I, to a less, to, sorry, I largely agree with what he said there, but I can understand fans who, who sort of think that that's being too positive and he's dressing it up a little bit. I, yeah, think, well, I, think, fairness, the... I think he was saying he sees us as, as a Division 2 side in general, given that we've flip-flopped between Divisions 1 and 2 over the last sort of 20 years, really. So, yeah, so no, you that's... put us in a Division 2 or 3, but uh, in terms of this season, we don't deserve to be in Division 2. We, we got what we deserved. We yeah, were at no... least two wins away from being in Division 2. I agree. Yeah. with I, I'm with you, Daz. And you're absolutely right. I think we are a Div 2 side, in terms potentially, but the reality is, is that, I mean, we talk about the, the, the drawn games, particularly at New Road, where it's hard to force a win. To just assume that we might win a couple when all the games that we've actually managed to finish, we've not been very good in at all. I mean, we've beaten a very poor Derbyshire side who are the worst team in the country, and it's not close. And we have beaten a Sussex side who have won one game all season, and we beat them with a, uh, a 300-plus run chase against 17-year-olds. That's, that's, the, that's the reality. Now, that, that does sound... I also, well, I'll, also, I'll, I'll caveat that with, I'm not with the doom mo- merchants that think the world is caving in. I just think we've been poor, and I think there have been a few decisions along the way that haven't helped us. And I think there've been a few, a few players that have underperformed, and and a few wickets that, yeah, maybe maybe if New Road was slightly more favourable to to our bowling attack, I don't know. But then I, I I'm not convinced that this large amounts of draws that I didn't see any draws this season where I thought we're actually going to come out on top here or we can force a victory. We've just been unlucky with conditions. We've been we've been below par throughout in every aspect. So we don't deserve to be anywhere near Division Two. I don't think it's the yog game here or there. I'm going to disagree with you. Well, I'm going to disagree in part with you, but I think if, to get into that in any detail, this podcast will end up being five hours long. Correct. So, uh, anyway, yeah. I we, I think we can we can agree with Thanos in that we are probably pound for pound should be a Division Two side, and we have performed poorly, and so are in Division Three, and rightly so. I think there is enough in that squad with sensible and or good signings next season to actually feel okay about life. But we are, as we've been saying this season, we're two players light. And those the two players that have got to come in have got to be difference makers. And um, Absolutely. Which... And it, it's like anything, isn't it? Uh, whether on this podcast or, or in the chats, that we agree on the 90% of it. It's the little 10% around the edges that we have a slightly different take on. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, we are missing a few players. We are something like it has been underwhelming, but I agree with you. There is there is cause for optimism, even if some fans can't see it. Oh, look, yeah, you see on Facebook and people are going absolutely apoplectic and it's like, look, calm down. They might just be having a bad day. And also, depending on what mood I'm in, if we record this podcast tomorrow, I might be an, an awful lot more positive about it. Like, I'm, I'm really not worried. I must stress that. I'm really not worried. You can only judge the cricket that's put in front of you, not the cricket that you might get next year. And the cricket we've, we've had this year has been disappointing. But he's admitted that himself, so that's cool. Okay, um, this is a much shorter clip. This is the T20. Um, we'll try and keep this brief. Very, very mixed um, you know, T20 games. I mean, we won six games. I think that was the same as when we you know, got to finals day in 2019. And I think that the really frustrating bit about that is that we had two games where we just needed to get something from them, the last two games, and hope that you know, our friends up the road didn't get anything and we would have qualified for um, you know, quarterfinals. And I think that, therefore, again, if we'd achieved quarterfinals, that would have been a tick. Um, but we didn't. Uh, I think we were really disappointing when we played at um, Edgebaston. And I think the, the, for whatever reason, that's sport, it's not you know, linear, it's not a science. Um, you know, sometimes things just don't happen. But you know, the Leicester game, I mean, it was just a you know, fair play to English. It was just you know, brilliant. 
yeah, fair play to Josh English. It was an incredible innings, and they deserve to win that. Again, he's talking a lot of sense to a point, but the reality is in those two games, we didn't have Ricky Vessels. We'll never know why. They don't want to talk about it. Fine. I don't think we'll miss Ricky Vessels. I don't think he's really as big a deal as all the fans are making out, but it was a significant reason as to why we didn't qualify for the quarterfinals. So to omit that within your roundup of our T20 season, I find a little bit disingenuous. Uh, I, I think, yeah, um, some people sort of overrate Vessels maybe a little bit, but he was batting well for us at the top of the order. And it suddenly dropped him and then we bottled the last two games and there's been absolutely no explanation. Yep. We, it's, look, a mo- uh, it's a motive as well, though, isn't that. it? It's a motive because Ricky Vessels is part of a, a you know, a, a successful... He wasn't with us when we won the T20, was he? But he was the season after when we went us up. Is that right? Or have I got my years mixed that up? That is right, yeah. He was the year after. But because he was associated with a period of success, he's got that emotive factor. And when he goes, he's like, well, he helped us achieve things. He's gone now. We're not going to achieve things anymore. So well, it, it, There was just the immediacy that as soon as he, he... He came out the side and replaced with Jack Haynes, who's a great player, but he's not T20 ready and he doesn't have the calibre or the track record and he didn't play well. So you take out one of our best players and replace him with someone who didn't play well and then you immediately fall short of your aim of qualifying for the quarterfinals, which by his own admission, Thanos said would have been considered a successful season, then to not mention it is weird. Even if you kind of say, look, unfortunately with what happened with Ricky, means, look, again, just to pretend it's not a thing. And I'm really really not fussed about Ricky Vessels. I won't miss him hugely. He wasn't my favourite player or anything. I thought he was a good player for this level and he made us a better side. So just come on. Yeah, um, just say, but, just say, if you don't want to go into it, just say that. I won't, yeah, go, I won't go into what happened with Ricky, but that was clearly the turning point in the T20 season. Or you just say, obviously, if you'd have just said, obviously, not having Ricky available was yeah. was a hindrance. See, I get, see that's, again, that's sort of the problem is that the, the communication is much better. And again, I, I, I like what they're trying to do, but that's what happens when you do everything in-house and a journalist isn't allowed to ask a question because then the follow-up question would be, and obviously not having Ricky there made it more difficult, especially going to Edgebaston, and then they have to give you some sort of generic, oh, well, yeah. okay, but, but because that's not allowed to happen for whatever reason. Yeah. Look, um, I've spoken to the club because I wanted to get, a, get an interview with a, um, a senior board member about it, and they've said yes, which is good. Um, so I've followed it up and I haven't had a reply back to my follow-up, so hopefully something will happen. Um uh, just all we, so, need, all we need does is to find a proper journalist. Hey, come on now! <laughs> I've done he, exams he and everything. Twenty-five in the second eleven. <laughs> oh, Jim, Jim, I take that back. I'm very sorry. I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Right. Look, one last thing. He talks about the hundred as well, um, and I thought uh, he was pretty decent in addressing it. So this is uh, his his reaction to uh, to the inaugural hundred tournament. It strikes me as though if you stick enormous amounts of marketing promotion behind a cricket tournament, whether it's got six balls or five balls, guess what? It's a success. From that respect, I think it just illustrates to me the need to properly promote other forms of cricket and not perhaps um, you know, focus on, your, on not, not quite the entirety, but the majority of your, the vast majority of your spend on, on one tournament. So actually, in many respects, I'm quite encouraged about you know the demographics i'm encouraged about what it's done for the women's game and i'm encouraged about what it means for cricket um you know scheduling has been a problem this year for covid reasons and and and, you know understandably so to a degree but that's an issue that really needs to be addressed um and i think 100 is just you know part of 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 what what's important to, to the game it's not everything in fact in many respects it's a very small component of cricket we should never ever lose sight of that I think um, there's great, great opportunities for cricket to grow if it's managed appropriately. Fair enough. Couldn't agree more with that. What I really liked about that was not actually what he said, but his facial expression just before he answers the question. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'd urge you to go on and have a look because he has a nice little wry smile before he gives that answer. Oh, look, I mean, yeah, if you watch the interview and it, and, and, and it, in its entirety about the 100 as well, which goes on a bit longer, is you're under no illusions as to what he thinks about it, but what he knows, it's happening. It's happening. So, you know, th- th- to focus on the fact that what a surprise, if you promote the competition properly, whatever form of cricket it is, it will be a success. And, you know, I, I respect that. Um, so that's yeah. fair enough. And, uh, and if you're scheduling it properly as well. Because, you know, he's talking about obviously hinting towards the T20 there. I think they're moving finals day next year, aren't they, back to July? Yeah. 
Um, yes. So, I mean, all in all, my feelings about the interview, I'm glad that it's out there. I'm glad that they do it. I'm glad that they do loads of forums. I'm still a little bit frustrated that it is quite controlled and quite sanitised. I get that there's a lot of vitriol online, but your average punter who's just having a bad day and wants to win trophies every season, which is unrealistic, especially in the you know the context of being being Worcestershire, I get why you don't necessarily want to be confronted with that. Um, but I just feel like there, there needs to be a little bit more pushback. I think um, there's a lot there's a lot to be reassured by in that interview. I think some people are being quite quite harsh about it, but there are other there are other elements where I think we need follow up questions, and I think that's fair enough. I mean, as long as it is a considered and and respectful interaction, but I think I do think we deserve that. And I, that there there I shall end with my lecture on uh, on <laughs> fantasy twenty five minute interview. You can find it on YouTube through the um, Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Uh, YouTube channel. Overall, gents, your thoughts? I think you've summed it up brilliantly there, Jim. I think I haven't got anything in addition. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to be in the room and ask some questions, wouldn't it? But uh, it, like I say, it's, it's good that it's out there and it's, it's good to hear from the chairman because that hasn't always been the case necessarily in the past. And look, I mean, in the interest of fairness, they, um, Dave, uh, Dave Hoskins and, and, and Fanos here, they get a lot of grief. I mean, they get a lot of vitriol that they don't deserve. And that's really important to to distinguish. They are public figures and they get harangued and get nasty letters and stuff and so they 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 at least they are visible and you see them around the ground and they will engage and i dig that and as i said that we've we've asked to have a chat because obviously that was a a lot is talked about the members forums and the members stuff and none of us are members but we all go to games so it'd be nice to get that so hopefully we'll sort that out before the end of the season and we'll give listeners of course a chance to put their questions too and we'll keep it clean and respectful of course but anyway uh, another busy fortnight in the world of Worcestershire County Cricket Club. But hey, look, it's a good job we got it. Because what else are we going to talk about? Our feelings? Hell no! Um, right, gentlemen, this is a long and drawn-out affair. Isn't it every week? Um, so uh, let's move on with our lives and think about our life choices. Uh, hope for better things at the home of cricket at Lords. My old employers, Middlesex away. Maybe we can get a few of the Worcestershire boys on the honours boards there, um, along with Ajitagarka, one of the worst players to ever make a century in a test match. Anyway, I'm waffling. I'm waffling. I'm tired. Gentlemen, to bed. Take care of yourself, Pairs fans. Peace. Peace.